0: Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford.
1: Hello. Thanks for joining us on Innovation Insiders. My name is Andy Ford, and I'm coming from you uh, today uh, here at Brado Creative Insight HQ in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Now, right off the bat, I need to say uh, that on last week's show, I said most of what I just said just now. And then I said I was looking at Busch Stadium and a statue of Ted Williams underneath the arch. Well, here's the issue with that. Ted Williams never actually played for the Cardinals. He played for the Boston Red Sox. The actual statue I was looking at was Stan the Man Musual. Honestly, I don't even know where Ted Williams' name came from. I don't know why I said that. Uh, not only that, there's a dozen other statues out there I could have referenced, but I chose none of those. I went with Ted Williams. Uh, as we say here at Brado Creative Insight for our innovation team is fail fast. Well, I did that right off the bat at the beginning of the show. I failed really fast. So what I learned was people who did listen to the show, those some of those people were from St. Louis, gave me instant feedback and said, That's interesting. I didn't know that we traded, you know, eighty years ago for another Hall of Fame legendary guy who played for the Boston Red Sox. So with that in mind once again, coming, and I need to pay a real homage to the actual baseball player, Stan, uh, Stan the man, usual. Um As always, you can reach me. At Andy.Ford at Brado.net or on Twitter at a, at A.Ford. You can also reach our company uh, at Brado Insight. Uh, we are available all throughout the show and, through, and after that. Uh, your feedback and the emails and responses we're getting about the show have been great, and we will make sure we address a lot of those questions as they come through. My guest today uh, is the incredibly insightful Ellie Doty. A little bit about Ellie. Ellie's the Vice President of Marketing, Culinary Innovation, and Insight at Chili's Restaurants. Now, she's originally from Louisville, Kentucky, and that's a blessing to you. You'll get to hear these two wonderful melodious southern accents on today's show. She started her career uh, with Yum Brands, and while with Yum, she's worked with Long John Silver, Taco Bell, KFC Global, U.S., uh, and she's a CMO KFC in Canada. Uh, so now Ellie uh, is in Dallas working with Chili's. And her, ex, her expertise is, is across a pretty wide spectrum, marketing. And you know, particularly, she's been really keen on brand positioning, brand building. She's helped create and implement uh, innovation strategies uh, and pipelines to drive future growth. I'm excited to know Ellie. I'm excited to talk with her about her experience across all of these companies. Ellie, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Glad to be here.
1: I know that you, this is particularly a, a busy time uh, for you, and, and I should say a busy time for you. I don't know if there's not a busy time for you. What, what is it about working in the industry that you work in where there seems to be, especially as it relates to innovation, uh, sometimes just a frantic pace? Am I often representing it, representing it that way?
2: No, I think that is uh entirely accurate it's um there's something really fun about working in innovation in any kind of retail because it moves so fast and um early on in my career, I think one of the things that was the most rewarding to me is even as a junior marketer, you can actually see something through from the very beginning of the idea uh you know sitting in a room like that'd be cool if we did that right yeah. on through in a span of maybe a year to in market and driving results and uh, so In packaged goods, that can be kind of hard because you have to build a factory to produce something and change the packaging. And So the marketing and innovation can often – you can be lucky to have one in four or five years when you're in packaged goods. But in restaurants, you can come out with, you know – as many as forty new products a year, if you're really doing a lot of new product
1: innovation. You know that's you know that's really interesting too, and and I know it, having done some work in the restaurant business, you often think about those you know some of those ideas that you could hit really really quickly, and often I think a lot of restaurants refer to those as LTOs or limited time offers. And then there are those sort of bigger sort of – and I don't know what the word I would use – maybe a platformable idea that seems to be changing the menu or maybe a day part, and that innovation is (sighs) – not wholly different, but it seems like across organizations, it has maybe a different weight or mindset. Have you noticed that you kind of have some of these LTOS that can hit really quick, and that's not a, and that's a good idea? But then, by comparison to some of those game-changing, bigger platform ideas, how do you wrestle with getting those, you know, into the menu and and really sold across the organization?
2: Well, I would say most of the uh, experience I, experiences I have had are that LTOS. Um, they're just not even close to as powerful as Mm. uh, building big platform ideas or what I've called sales layers. Sometimes Mm. building a whole new layer of sales on top of what you already have. So the job an LTO will do is sort of give you a little short-term boost on something you're selling, uh, but it won't last all that long. It won't change the way guests think about your brand. It won't add something permanent um, in terms of a transaction layer that meets a new need for a new guest. Um, And so, it's part of the equation to get the job done. And there are some brands that do it really, really well and are able to come back to lots of limited time offers over and over again. Uh, But by and large, you're going to get much, much bigger bang out of those, um, a sales layer or a new channel. Um, The other thing I would say about um, LTOs or sort of, that more traditional innovation is it can really cheapen your brand over time because yeah. the, the guest starts to wonder what you're about. Um, they, they feel a little manipulated. They feel like yeah. is this used cars. What are we doing? Over yeah.
1: Here? Yeah. You so, know, you can, it's uh, funny. It's funny you mentioned that as actually, I should really point this out. Is it, I mean, you've, and we need to talk and I, I really want to dive into your experience. I mean, from Taco Bell, KFC over to Chili's, uh, you've had experience across the spectrum, but uh, recently, and I know this has made news, is that there's been a a real, and I should say, maybe a slimming down of Chili's menu. And was that was that part of the plan was, you know, hey, let's let's let our guests know what we stand for and, you know, take out some of that stuff uh, that, I don't know, I'm not saying it cheapens the brand, but maybe it doesn't build the brand.
2: Yeah, maybe it's kind of a distraction from what the brand okay. is all about. And um, yeah. I think, Yes, so Chili's recently cut 40% of our menu items. Um, we had expanded our menu item count to as much as 120, 125, and it's much more normal wow. in this category to have more like 70 or 80 menu items. And so you can just imagine what that does to the guest in terms of like, wait, what is this? What kind of place am I eating at today? You know, Why am I coming here? <laughs> Hard, yeah. hard to say because there's a lot of choices um, and in some some uh, some places have had great luck with that. just lean hard into that all we 've got is tons and tons and tons of choices yeah.
1: um, but
2: in, but there's the corollary of operationalizing that that you can't ignore, and so you do have to pay attention to is our kitchen set up to handle that? Are we staffed to handle that? Is this the kind of place that can realistically pull off that many menu items at a quality standard we feel proud of? And so that's those are all contributing reasons why right sizing the menu um, and Chili's did it boldly all at one time um, as you as you know all of us who've been in the industry know how hard that is to do. <laughs>
0: yeah, to pull
2: yeah. uh, to pull things off once they're on they're kind of you know you now got people who are coming in to buy those items
1: so uh, oh, where yeah. do they go. I mean and you get, I mean if I've heard it once I've heard it a million times is you know you're having a conversation about you know name a restaurant that's been around and I think Chili's has been around for Five decades?
2: Am yes, nineteen
1: seventy-five. Seventy-five. So, you know, not, yeah. not I not not quite five, but I should remember that. I should remember that since <laughs> I'm not I'm not five decades. Not quite there I'm yet. A little, quite I'm yet. a little older <laughs> than Chili's. <laughs> but it's you know the the that your guests, they come in and they say, Oh, you used to make a X, Y, or Z. And mm-hmm. you don't make it anymore. And how hard is it not just to be, I'm not saying that's breaking people's hearts, but how do you make a decision? Uh, and this is something that I, I think, I don't know, I want to get your opinion on this. I think it's easier to do innovation when you're being additive. It's harder in innovation when you're being subtractive, when you're pulling things out. Do, do, you, yeah. do you agree or disagree with that?
2: Uh, well, I, I agree that it's way harder to take things off. It's way easier to add things. Um, However, I think the best way to do innovation, the most effective way is when whatever innovation you're doing is taking what you're awesome at, being continuing mm-hmm. to be awesome at it and then add something to it. So, yeah. I often call it go one bridge not five bridges away from what you, <laughs> who you are. So you can do you know, one thing that brings a little bit of news, but don't go go into a whole new realm uh, that you don't have any credibility for. And so I think that's where brands get in trouble when it comes to innovation. It's when you add, add, add to the point where you've gone so far away from what a guest gives you credit for doing that, you know, you, re- you really aren't building your brand anymore. You're starting to take away from it.
1: You've got – you've had experience, and I, and I mentioned this before, and, and full disclosure, I think, Ellie, you and I actually first met when you were at Taco Bell. Uh yes. And – Pretty right. exciting days, uh, Taco Bell, for you. Not that not that Taco Bell's not exciting right now at all, but I just remember in your tenure there. I mean, eh, I think that you know the twenty four hour you know food craze, you know late night dining was one of those pieces. Uh, Doritos Locos, Locos Taco took over. You yeah. cleaned up a menu and made it cleaner for people to eat, you know, and attract an older target. I mean, you were there through some pretty massive change. Yes, I
2: was at Taco Bell from uh, sort of. 10 to 13, 2010 to 2013. And um, the change between 11 and 12 is the sort of case study time. So, anybody yeah. who's looking back to read up on it, what happened in 11 versus what happened in 12 is when all those changes took place. So, um, just as an example, I mean, Taco Bell puts it as they summarize it as going from jester to explorer. And what they're yeah. doing there is using those archetypes that we all know, you can put yourself to, and uh, saying, what archetype do we fit in? And it was completely relevant when it comes to innovation, because in 11, the innovation and the advertising was really around almost becoming the butt of a joke. Yeah. Uh, and so the challenge was, how do you migrate that kind of a brand um, to a brand that is leading that is challenging conventions in a good way, that is a brand you can be proud to be a part of as a guest and as a consumer. And so some of the big things that happened in 12 were Doritos Locos Taco, um, the beginning of Live Moss, the brand positioning, the launch of the Cantina Bell menu with Lorena Garcia. And so it was a huge, huge transition year for Taco Bell that it was just a delight to be part of. And just, you know, that's the kind of thing that to be a fly on the wall is fun.
1: My pleasure yeah, well, to I mean, be involved I mean, in it. I was going to say, I mean, and I was, you know, at best tangential, uh, associated <laughs> with that coming in and hitting moments. But to be able to, to your point, stand back and go, man, that's bold. I mean, truly, the, I mean, you know, to the live moss, you know, and not, not to play too hard into that uh, mindset, was that was a pretty dynamic change for the organization, and. And, and one of the things that I'm kind of curious about, and when, when we come back from break, I really want to talk to you about this as well, is that kind of change in an organization and you've had the, the I should say, I don't know if I should say, I'll let you say this, the luck or the displeasure to be involved with organizations that have undergone, undergone some change. Um, it's got to be exciting. But I also want to talk about some of the ways you navigate that change uh, with, you know, colleagues? uh, How do you manage it in your own head? What are some of those things you look for uh, or, or try to, you know, bring the rest of the team along? Uh, so right. we're going we're to go to break real quick. My guest is uh, Ellie Doty. She's the – once again, she's the vice president uh, of marketing, culinary innovation, and insights at Chili restaurants at Chili's. And uh, Ellie has had a fascinating career uh, really helping develop items that have the rest of us can uh, only dream about or actually we can actually show up and eat. So we'll be right back after these messages uh, with uh, uh, Ellie Doty. <music>
0: The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping, whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Brado's innovation sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself. In many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, BRADO.net. The
1: pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative leaders, driving, thriving organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of
2: industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific
1: on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now
0: to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's b r a d o.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Once again, welcome back to Innovation Insiders. I'm speaking with Ellie Doty. And uh, when we went to break, uh, we were talking about, you know, being a part of an organization when a lot of things are occurring and, and changing the game, uh, so to speak, you know, from one aspect, uh, whether it be decentralizing or taking the menu items down, uh, adding new layers, new marketing campaigns. Ellie's had a chance to be a part of those things in her career. Uh, You know, Ellie, as you think back from Long John Silver's to multiple divisions at KFC and Taco Bell and now at Chili's, have there been some of those across the board, some of those game-changing ideas or moments that you've run into? Yeah,
2: definitely. Um, You know, one of the commonalities in times of change and game-changing in my career has been times of turnaround, and um, changing the game in a time of turnaround is a little different than changing the game um, when you're trying when you're seeking a leadership position on innovation. When you're trying to keep your lead and right. stay out ahead, um, what you might do is is quite different, and how you might look at your business. So, the big examples I have might not sound as You know, sort of sexy as as you may want it to. But when you think about it, it is when it comes to what you can achieve. So um, just taking um, a division that has had, say, you know, seven straight years of traffic and transaction decline. Yeah. taking a job like that in marketing can seem like the job no one wants <laughs> because, oh, yeah. wow, what in the oh, world yeah. do you do? There have been really smart people with all the resources in the world trying to figure it out. So clearly there's something going on that's just not going to turn that brand around, not going to turn that business around. And so yeah. I think what I would say um, – leads to success are one um, don't get distracted with bright shiny objects uh, it's right. really easy to um, grasp at you know the latest dessert trend or the latest soft yeah. trend or the latest yeah. Whatever is happening out there. And in a turnaround situation, when you're trying to change the game, that's probably not where you want to go. Um, you don't, you know, look at yourself in the mirror. You probably don't have permission to go there. <laughs> the guest is yeah. going to give you permission to go there. And I had, I had a great boss at one situation who said, Hey, we're probably not going to parfait our way out of this mess. <laughs>
1: that's, meaning if we're selling is, fried yeah. chicken <laughs> you're probably
2: not going to turn it around with a parfait and i think that that's just an excellent that he summed it up right there to say like the yeah. way you're going to get out of this is do the best job of being you that you possibly can so the work Is Who are we? Do we know who we are? Are we totally clear? You may think you are, but you're not. And how do we do a better job of being who we are for our heavy users and our medium users to stop them draining and help them come back? So I think that's the first thing I would say about um, navigating change is identifying who you are, make sure you're totally clear on it, and don't get distracted by you're
1: not going to parfait your way out of this mess. <laughs> that is great. That is. I've never I, – I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about even though I yeah. never have had a – I never tried to dig my way out of a mess with a parfait. But I, I get it. I absolutely yeah. understand. It's like – but it's funny, you know, like when you're talking about culture change too, right? I mean when you're you're at a loss, you're seven You know, uh, quarters, years, whatever it is, down, and suddenly you start going, how are we going to get out of this? Uh, your advice is get to know who you actually are because that is what's going to be your true representation that your consumer or guest can resonate with yes start from start
2: from your core start from who you are and your truth and I think like um, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons or the heart behind what Chili's has just done with the refocusing of the menu is let's, like, let's take a pause and look back to go forward. And who yeah. were we when we started? What did we look like when we were great? And how can we get back to that? And so I think focusing in on the best burgers, ribs, fajitas, and margaritas, that's what Chili's is all about. And perhaps over the course of years, our guests don't know that anymore. Um, and we, that's our job when it comes to changing the game here.
1: You know, it's interesting to me is that, you know, and you, you talk about, and I, I love hearing about, you know, that idea of let's look back to look forward and don't be distracted by these trends that. That you know can pull us away or move us off uh, on, in a different path, and yet you, you know you've worked, you're still working for brands, and you know having known some of the work you've done, you still keep an eye on the future and what it could be. And when you're thinking about some of those sales layers and how they can uh, layer on top, how do you keep you know the new thing central to who your core is as a brand?
2: Yeah, that's especially salient now in light of how things are changing around to go and delivery and food, because that's what I would consider a sales layer or a new channel um, that most of us are working on. I think everybody is working on um, being our best. How do we show up in that channel? And um, to me, one of the best ways to do it is if you are really clear on who you are and what you're great at, then you apply that So how does a great burger, rib, fajita, margarita place show up in a to-go or delivery zone? So you don't go try to be something else or invent a new menu that's appropriate for that, or you try to be the best version of you in this new space. Um, It used to be – uh, like lighter versions of things were hot. Remember that? Yeah. Everything. Used oh yeah. To be lighter. Everything. Yeah. Uh, we all got <laughs> let's after
1: make, that. Let's make it. Let's make it a half or a half. Uh, can, can we make it a mini version? That was. A, I remember right. an entire session dedicated to mini versions of right. things. Right. or
2: we are going to have whole sections of the menu that are under a certain calorie count? And oh. um, it used to be the big thing. You know, we were all working on that, and I think um, it it becomes a big distraction because in a lot of a lot of brands, especially brands I've worked through. When you go try to do something like that that changes a trend, you actually undo the things that are best about your brand. And so, take yeah. for example fried chicken. So fried chicken is fried and it is crispy and it is juicy yeah. and yeah. it's a wonderful experience of eating, but it is it is a fried food. And so the big con of it is going to be greasiness and yeah. uh, heavy. You know, so if you go in as a marketer for fried chicken and say, "Oh, great," then the answer is I'm going to do something that's not um, greasy. So you've actually just taken away what you're selling. It's not, yeah. it's not your big – it's not what you – you don't have something distinctive anymore. And So I think that's, that's what I would say is how do you show up in those trends in a way that's still true to yourself um, and can still almost, be – and the guests can feel good about
1: it's almost like you – in some cases, especially – and to your – I love those moments and times when we were talking about uh, – everyone was saying, oh, calorie. We're going to have to put calories on the menu. People are going to lose their minds. We have to go <laughs> locale and still get all these other elements. And, and it, it sounds like at that moment, you have to have the courage as a – not just as a just – not just as a marketer but as an innovator to say we're going to have to be a little bit of a contrarian here. We're going to go counter – to what the competition or everybody else is—is is, that—is that true? I mean, did you have to at points in time look at yourself in the mirror and say, "No, this is not who we are," and so our I, our version of innovation is going to be—we're going to be very different now.
2: Yeah, I think you have to kind of—you have to kind of look at those situations and say, "Is this somewhere where we're going to win? We're going to lead yeah. the pack." This is true to us, or is this somewhere where we're going to meet the table stakes and we're going to tie? Like, the table stakes have changed. Okay, we're here. We're going to meet the table stakes, but we're not going to be out on the forefront leading this. And so um, I think if you know yourself as a brand really well, you probably know the zones that you should be on the forefront leading it and the ones where you should meet the table stakes. So, like, I was very proud to work on the Fresco menu at Taco Bell as an example. Um, what a, it just tastes great, lovely menu. Uh, but, you know, we didn't have to add any new SKUs to accommodate that. Um, we didn't have to um, go beyond, we have a fresco menu. You can feel good about eating here. If you are watching your calories, we've got something for you. And so I think all of us want to work for a brand where you can feel you can feel good about the choices. You can make any yeah. kind of choice on the menu, but there's a difference between we have something for you and we're leading the charge on this.
1: That's a, that's a great point. Is it, you know, one of those things we used to say is that you can be, you know, first and faster, or you can be second and better. And it sounds like the strategy that you're pulling into from a brand point of view is, look, we can fit here as a brand. It might not be as a leader, but we can still build a layer here that fits in with where we see the consumer moving. But when you see those moments where you can be a leader, um, is that when you really need to press the gas, so to speak, as an organization?
2: Take some risks. yeah, that's yeah. a good space okay. to, uh, to really kind of um, to lean out and maybe maybe it won't work the first few times, but uh, yeah. it's worth it to be on the leading edge of that if it's true to who you, you are as a brand.
1: Yeah I, uh, I, I just because I knew I was interviewing you uh, last night I was uh, I actually was doing an ethnography. I was in a consumer's home and I, when I left, I just thought you know, I had to get something to eat and I pulled open my phone and I opened the Chili's app. And I made a mobile yeah. order, and Great. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I went to um, I went to a Chili's. I had uh, I had well, I had chips and salsa. This is obviously. And I got the fajitas <laughs> because I wanted to see, you know, what that to go experience was like. To me, it made a lot of it made a lot of sense. Uh, it was a clean operation. I mean, it was real smooth. And I, I mean, I you I mean, you guys continue to update and work on that. But that's one of those places where I, you know, I assume you guys think, "Hey, look, this is on trend with who we are, and we can play well in this space." Is that is that wrong?
2: No, I think that's right. Chili's has a great um, history with technology and taking a leading edge on technology um, in our category, and um, so. We, you know, over the years, we've definitely uh, been out on the forefront on e commerce and the user experience, and um, even down to uh, use of big data and, yeah. and um, the way we, you know, manage the c- customer relationship. I think that uh, Chili's is really on the front foot of those kinds of things, and I think it'll really serve us well as we uh, advance into this world of, um, you know, not only to go in delivery, but also just knowing your customer, um, yeah. knowing when they want to hear from you and what they want to hear from you, uh, not in a creepy way, <laughs> but in a in a way that gives them a better experience.
1: <laughs> As a, you, you, you've, you know, a couple of times we've talked about this. You know, knowing who your customer is, and, and and I say customer, and you, and I think you guys use guest, right? That's really who you talk about is who's we the do. guest. We do, yes. Yeah, right. and, and 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 that guest experience is one of those things that seems to be I, I hear it popping up a lot, right? right? People talking about that guest experience and 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 when we come back, I want to spend some time you kind of delving in and talking about what that means to you. and you know it's not just the food, it's not just the advertising. it's that overall experience um, that is there's room for innovation in that, I assume.
2: Yes, definitely.
1: Okay, well, uh, on the way out, I just want you to know that we're talking with uh, Ellie Doty, who's the VP um, at Chili's. And not only is uh, Ellie an incredibly insightful person with a a tenure across a lot of pretty magnificent brands, uh, Ellie's also a huge Elvis fan. And just real quickly, as a matter of fact, Ellie, you guys are – you and your husband, you guys are both big Elvis fans, so much so that I think you've even named one of the children something – to you know pay homage to the king am i wrong uh,
2: No, it's a loose homage but yes there is an elvis related uh nickname at our
1: house nickname nickname okay uh-huh. okay well yeah. i i knew that was a. I i knew that uh you know being a kentucky girl uh, you know having a tie in close to the to elvis can't hurt so we're talking with ellie Doty. uh you're listening to innovation insiders and we'll be right back after these messages
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Brado's innovation sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive Week At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World or Android Market.
0: Listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit Brado.net. Again, that's B R A D O.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. I'm Andy Ford. Uh, You're listening to the Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Uh, My guest today uh, is uh, Ellie Doty. Uh, We went to break. Ellie, we're talking a little bit about uh, your um, interest in all things uh, Elvis related. And uh, I'm I'm curious, you guys have moved all over. I mean, you still have a pretty big passion for travel. Um, Is there any place you're like super keen on right now? Like if you could go anywhere, where would it be?
2: Oh, what a big question. You know, um, I've always had um, some European travel on my hit list that I haven't gotten done yet. But um, at this moment, all that's on my mind is a trip to Ireland. So we Ooh. have an already planned trip to Ireland that's coming up and taking my children for the first time across the pond, which should be interesting. So um, <laughs> I have been there before, but not as a tourist. So I'm um, there, uh, there for work. For, for work.
1: Yes, I went for yeah, work. You you've had I mean and so you've been, you know, working in the roles you've worked in for these brands uh, working internationally. And I mean, how much, speak a little bit to that, if I can ask a question in the right way, and and if I don't frame it up the right way, you tell me, but uh, when it comes to thinking about, you know, the development of the menu and these, you know, these sales layers and the way they can impact and change an organization from an innovative point of view, is it a completely different world in the United States versus Ireland, the UK, South America? Uh, How hard is it to manage this global sort of game-changing ideas?
2: Uh, well, it's, uh, it's it's pretty complex. However, it's less complex than you may think looking into it from the outside. Um, a couple of things I have to say about that. One is that we have far more in common than we have different from one another across mm-hmm. the world. Um, and, and perhaps especially when it comes to food. But my belief is that um, human the human condition um, is... Mm-hmm foundationally very very similar, 70% similar, 30% nuanced on where we are geographically. And so Mm. that's definitely one thing I learned in working globally is that it can be very easy to see all the differences on the surface, but when you have a chance to sit in one of those global worlds and see the patterns across the whole world, um, or at least in 130 countries, um, you see way more in common than you see different, and um, I think that was probably the, the most eye-opening uh, insight to me um, in, in that work is how much how much more we have in common than we have different. Um, the other thing I would say about it is how um, actually um, U.S. centric we can become. <laughs> mm-hmm. U.S. is so big, and um so it's so dominant in terms of pop culture, yeah. um, that yeah. it can feel like it's it's bigger than it actually is in in the end. And so I had occasion in that job, which is funny before and after, to say, Oh, but that's just in the US, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what a funny yeah. thing to say in the end, because uh that's the only time I've ever said that before since it's like, oh it's how just big
1: in is US, that? so. that's right. oh no that's just US. That's just US Yeah, I that's mean, just one um, country. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I and i can i can speak to this without giving anything away first of all i just want to recap this i mean that is i love that that this global human condition and and to put a sort of a quantification to it is that we are just 30% nuanced and in nuanced is a great way i mean a great word isn't it it doesn't necessarily mean holistically different it just means right. there's you know variations on cues potentially so to me that's a that's a really really interesting thing Uh, that you you discovered, and obviously keep it in mind, you know, right now. But I remember working um, for a large, um, a large brand that provides a lot of fried chicken around the world. And I do recall is that quite a few people in the United States thought we should offer uh, chicken for breakfast in other parts of the world. And it turns out that some parts of the world are just holistically against that. And you know, it, yes. it, to your to your point, it was super hard to convince uh, our you know United States uh, you know uh, team members that 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 was the case. It seemed like it was it's almost so unbelievable. True. Yeah, it's so
2: true. I think when you you do get sort of indoctrinated, indoctrinated, especially when it comes to literal products like, oh, we can sell All this right. at the state park in lots of different places. Um, you can believe, especially when something is so mainstream in the United States that it can mainstream in other, you know. Similar similar countries with similar uh, you know values and belief systems. It seems like okay. Well, we'll be able to apply it. Um, but there are things like that that, and it may may happen eventually. But it's not. We're not there yet. And um, yeah. you know, perhaps there are lots of historical um, reasons to draw on why we might be more adventurous in one country than in another in our palates. Uh, more spicy in one country than another, and um, something that's super, super bland in uh, one country will be way too spicy in the other. And uh, those kinds of things are probably, that's all in the 30%, I would say, (laughs) of things that uh, you have to adjust for. And, um, you know, many of us out there in in, uh, food innovation um, try to centralize our innovation and make it work in one country and then cascade it everywhere. And so the experience you have of that brand is very, very similar, 90, 95% the same everywhere in the world. And that's not the kind of system I worked in. It was much more, mostly it's the same, but make it your own for your country. Um, And I think that worked really, really well. And for just, for reasons just like that, you may think you can go sell chicken for breakfast. But yeah. as a matter of fact, you cannot—at <laughs> least not
1: this year. <laughs> so. You know, no—at le- at least, at least not right now. Now that is—that that's completely out of the out of left field for me. But I gotta—I gotta ask the, the difference between, uh, and, and let's just say, like a centralized uh, company or or brand versus one that is more franchise driven. You know, having worked in the food industry uh, across, you know, uh, um, companies that pr- primarily owned. Their restaurants versus working for uh, a company that is has a lot of company-owned restaurants it, mm-hmm. is the innovation pipeline, the marketing schedule, and all those things that you have to help manage, institute, and and move through. Does it make does it make a huge difference in what kind of organization I, it is?
2: I would actually say yes. It makes a huge difference, um, and there are definite pros and cons to each um, model. I think when it comes to working in a franchised system, um, the the good news is that what you're focused on and what they're focused on are very symbiotic. So they are spending a ton of their mental energy, their day to day life, their livelihood in running great restaurants and delivering a profit out of their restaurants and um, just sort of making it sing in their in the trade areas they own, while uh, on the corollary flip side, the franchisor is spending all their energy on the brand and the innovation and what's going to go on TV next month and how are you going to say it and sort of the big soaring traffic driving, sales driving initiatives. And so together you can create a really great, um, you know, relationship that works for both. Mm -hmm. Um, On the flip side, when you're in an operating, uh, you know, more of an operating brand or where you own most of the restaurants... Um, the good news is that you can get a lot done really fast because you run the restaurants, and so there's <laughs> yeah. no, you know, you get to do what yeah. you, you know, and I think, so, you know, there can be a, an element of you're trying to figure out what the right thing to do is for the guest or for the customer. And in order to get that done in a franchise organization, your franchisees need to go along with you. You're not going to get anything done if they're not with you. And so it's a very yeah. important step in the process that you're doing this together with the franchisee. Whereas when you're running the restaurant, um, you're running the restaurants. So you get to yeah. go do the innovation.
1: So it's, I think, it's, it's, you know,
2: I have found there's a high level of rigor behind a mm-hmm. uh, franchise organization getting, you know, the franchisees need to understand the business case for things before they buy them. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's a, that's a helpful tool, but at the flip side, it takes longer.
1: It takes longer. Is there an ideal pace to innovation you know what I mean? I mean, you talk about the rigor, and, and, and I just, have, you know, replaying this, you talk about speed on one side and you get a lot done. I think about your current role and, and how, how much work you guys are getting done. I know this uh, because I see it on evidence of what's happening on the menu and what you're introducing and where things are moving. There's a tremendous amount of activity, and not that there isn't on the flip side, but is there, in your mind, an ideal pace to the course of innovation?
2: Well, I think I think there is. However, I can't say a time frame because that sort of depends. I think when I think right. about pace, what I think is sometimes you do have to take a moment to aim before you fire, and you will be really glad you did, um, especially yeah. if you're in, uh, as most of us are, in a resource-constrained situation where you've got one bullet to fire, so it better hit its target. Um, sometimes yeah. it's worthwhile yeah. to spend that extra second to make sure – you've got it right. Um, yeah. and I think also when you're in a resource constrained situation, you can end up firing your bullets just to carry my metaphor forward, um, right. <laughs> a little bit indiscriminately and hoping <laughs> that they hit what they're supposed to hit. And yeah. so, and that's, I mean, sometimes that's the right thing to do. I mean, it depends on the situation you're in, but, um, I think, I do think there is an, a, a more ideal pace and that pace allows you for one, one way or another to just give it a minute. Have we thought this through? Are we right. sure we're right? Um, and sometimes that can be done in a week. Sometimes it needs six months, depending on the risk. Most, I think a, it's correlated most with the level of risk.
1: Most. Most take. that level of risk. And, you, you, you know, clearly you talk about risk, and it's one of those things that I think you, you're uh, – you're, I mean, you've taken – I mean, you mentioned it earlier in our interview here. We're talking about, like, you know, what if someone decides to go to a job that's been on a downward path? I mean that's that's a level of innovation that may not seem sexy, but it you know it's very exciting. And it's game changing. I can only imagine that comes with a you know a high level of risk for whoever would right. decide to do that, like your like yeah. someone like yourself. I'm curious. And I got an email here that was a question. Was as we were talking about, you know these changing taste buds and you know this global uh, sort of thirty percent nuance. And my question came through was, are, are millennials changing the game? I mean, are they? Do they have a more adventurous palette? And is that causing, you know, brand marketers, innovators uh, such as yourself uh, to consider some variations and changes that maybe you hadn't considered previously?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think millennials are changing all the games for all of us. Yeah. Um, they're huge, um, they view the world differently than the generation prior to them, and now they're having the ch- all the children. So I mean I read somewhere that 85% of the babies born in the United States last year were born to millennials. So it's a, a it's an Wait, amazing. Many? 85% of the babies oh, born in the gosh. US. Now do I need to cite my resource? Wait a second. Hold
1: on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We'll we'll, we'll 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 put a link up for that eventually. You okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a uh, that's and, a lot of that's a lot of new moms and dads, right?
2: And a lot of new moms and dads, and it's a huge life change they're navigating um, into yeah. adulthood, um, and that changes a lot of things. I think some things I'll mention just that have hit, hit me in my career, particularly are uh, around the way they view food and food innovation, is um, one, they're far more diverse in their palates. So they're less likely, like if you look at a school lunch menu from, you know, 1992 to or 1989, you're probably going to see mac and cheese and PB&J yeah. and a hamburger. And when you look more recently, even at 2010 or 11, you're probably going to see hummus, and um, you might see chicken teriyaki, or you know, you're going to see things that are a little very,
1: more very diverse. You know uh-huh. what? We're we're talking but real quick. Uh, we're talking. We got one last break here. Uh, we're talking with Ellie Doty, uh, um, and who's VP at Chili's, and some pretty fascinating work that she's done over her career and continues to do uh, at Chili's restaurants. You're listening to Innovation Insiders. We'll be right back after this message.
0: The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping, whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Brado's innovation sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Brado, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room together this process helps to inform research design and create alignment for your innovations our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful for more information visit brado.net b r a d o.net We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit... Brado.net again. That's B-R-A-D-O.net. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back. uh, I'm Andy Ford. You're talking uh, with Ellie Doty right now. And while we were on break, we had Ellie just answered a question about an email that we had gotten uh, about uh, millennials. And one of the things you had said was, you know, obviously, you know, they're they're changing the entire game. But the the other point you were going to make beyond their palate and how that's become more global uh, was really interesting. Would you mind talking just a little bit about that real quick?
2: Sure. The other one is not actually as related to uh, food as it is to the way they access the food. And so it's really around ease. So considering millennials are becoming a parent, are all becoming parents, the way that families access food and how easy they expect it to be is, has, is just reaching new new levels and new standards. And when you think about the standard that they have in their minds of how easy it is to get the show they want to watch or the product right. they want delivered to their house, it's just right. a totally different a totally different standard that they're um, experiencing and expecting from us. And so I think our whole category is is all working on and responding to this new level of ease that's expected by
1: millennials. That's fascinating. Right. I, mean, could, I could actually, you know, and I didn't even get a chance to really even talk about the, the customer experience. I really want to talk about that, but I've got to get to my last segment because it's important for me to ask you these questions, and I want to hear your point of view. We call this our innovator's confession. We've got a couple of questions we want to ask you that really help tie together your perspective on innovation. And so first question, number one, was surprise me. Tell me about the innovation that might catch us all off guard in the next five years. Oh, the
2: innovation that made. um well, I think it's definitely got to be tech related. And uh, I don't know how off guard that's right. going to be for anybody. But <laughs> I think, um, you know, we are going to find a way, somebody is going to find a way to make it equally as easy to get your meal and your food uh, with the top same quality you would expect and the same value you'd expect as it is to get uh, your Amazon Prime order. That's going to happen. Oh,
1: genius. And what are the three top words to describe an innovative individual?
2: Um creative. Okay. Um, flexible. Mm-hmm. And um ooh, this isn't one word. A good salesperson.
1: <laughs> ooh. <laughs> That's a good ooh, word okay. for
2: that. It is. It,
1: we've not. That's actually. You know, tell me about that a little bit. What's it mean to be a good salesperson? I mean, and I understand what you're saying. There is that. It, it, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like somebody who needs to make sure they're getting this innovative idea across to other people and convincing them to come along. I'm, is that, am I wrong? No, that's
2: 100% right. And if you're a good innovator, usually the ideas you have on offer are not what they're expecting it to be, and uh, not exactly what they want to hear.
0: Uh, because otherwise,
2: you're feeding them the same exact thing they've been doing already. <laughs> so uh-huh. usually you've got to find a way to know where are you and how can I bring these ideas in a way that um, you'll buy it.
1: You, you have um, – you've had to do that in your career, haven't you? I mean you've had to come in and tell people what they didn't want to hear and somehow convince them and others to try it. Yes. Um, I, I, on many occasions, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. What gives yeah. you the confidence um, or maybe not the confidence, what makes you want to be that person? The person who says, no, we can't do it the same way we've always done it. we got to try something else. What, Ellie, what compels you to be that kind of person?
2: Well, um, just for me personally, I am very rewarded by um, seeing things happen in the marketplace, seeing something okay. I worked on or I influenced drive results and make a difference. And so that's probably the most motivating thing to me. And if I can be part of doing something that changes, changes things, changes the trajectory, even if it's just in my little part, um, I, I want to do that. And so yeah. I don't know if it's confidence, but it definitely is passion and um, yeah. you know, positivity and a belief in the future and a belief that things can be uh, great.
1: Boy, that's, you could add, you could add, that's four more words we could add it to describing an innovative individual, Passion, right?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Passion, positivity, believe in the future can be different and changing things. Um, if there, other than your own, what company would you identify right now that you think is the most innovative in the world today?
2: Mm, the most innovative in the world. Well, I think that, you know, Amazon's a pretty easy answer. Um, right. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, uh, I don't know if it's most innovative, but. I read a cool thing on YouTube the other day about the culture at Netflix, and oh. so I was really inspired by this um, culture of innovation and culture of accountability at Netflix. And so, mm. um, I, I, you know, just seeing the things that they have done out there in the marketplace and then reading that, I was really inspired by that. So um, that one's hot on my list right now.
1: That's great. That's great. I love that idea of culture and accountability being a part of an innovative culture. Isn't that, isn't that great?
2: When you yeah, think about it yeah. that way,
1: I mean, you know, to, to give everybody the, not just the, eh, let's just say not even the responsibility, let's just call it freedom, right? Hey, well, on, we I got- know,
2: I'll quote another great leader, so forgive me for okay. not using my own thoughts, but another great leader who said, innovation doesn't happen on Thursday afternoon at four. Innovation happens all day, every day. It's a mindset. It's a culture. It's something that's built into the organization or it's not. You don't have like your innovation time with your innovation person. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: by the way, guys, we have an uh, innovation half hour. Everybody get in here. Now go yep, back to that's your, it. Now go back be brilliant. Uh, <laughs> it, I'm, it, it, tell me somebody I don't know. I, I want to know in your mind one person who you think you would deem to be master of innovation. And, you know, and this is maybe they've had an influence on you. Maybe you read about them. I don't know. Hmm,
2: A master of innovation. Well, let's see. I'm going to, the guy's name is French, and so therefore I'm going to butcher it. But it's a book called (laughs) The Culture Code. Um, Mm -hmm. And so let's all look up the uh, author of The Culture Code. (laughs) But um, that was a real, I mean, I have gone back to that. um, Yeah line of thinking and that sentiment many, many times in many, many situations. And it has always had a bearing in a new way for me on how to look at innovation. And essentially, I mean, the, the premise is you've got to figure out the code for right. um, in the culture, larger scale culture code for what you're trying to accomplish, whatever that may be for a whole brand, for a new burger you're trying to launch for anything. And so that has been a huge unlock for me, that that line of thinking So it's not so much an innovator who's come up with something, but it's an innovator who came up with a method and a tool that has been a big unlock across diverse situations
1: for me. Well, certainly you've had a chance to. You've had to do that. You've had to do that in multiple, multiple ways in multiple places. We'll, we'll look that. Yeah. We'll look that that note up and actually put it in our show notes too. And and here's a question I have, and it's sort of a strange one, but it's you and I both understand this, I think, because we've been a part of some moments like this. Is is you know we kind of have to face it. Is that you know innovators are just sort of notorious shit disturbers. You know they cause trouble, yeah. they have issues, but. those moments that lead to transform transformational change. What's your favorite disruptive or shit disturbing moment in your career?
2: Let's see. Um, My favorite moment. I think when I was working at Taco Bell and we made the decision to bring a chef in to develop menu items for Taco Bell, Um, you know, that may not seem like the hugest game changing thing, but frankly, for our culture and the way we think about innovation and the way you think about, I I really respected a lot that we, that we went, we went that far. Um, That's, Very hard to do. Taco Bell's famous for taking the same nine ingredients and shuffling them around (laughs) into new innovations. So like, what's a chef going to do with that? And uh, so that was a a really big deal um, when that happened and to be part of that. um, So that was probably one of the biggest disruptions
1: for me you had that you know i ellie i, I actually i mean I'm, I'm not even kidding we could have done another hour worth of show uh you know thank you uh for being a part of this program i mean obviously your career and the way you've had a chance to impact teams and work uh across you know a wide you know number of consumer moments and and in this category really came through so i appreciate you being a part of this hopefully you enjoyed it too
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I definitely did. Thank you so much. Appreciate you absolutely. asking the
1: question. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So my guest uh, has been uh, Ellie Doty. Uh, once again, Ellie uh, is been uh, a very successful uh, marketer and innovator uh, in in the world from Taco Bell to Long John Silver's KFC and now is the Vice President of Marketing and Marketing Culinary Innovation Insights at Chili's Restaurants. Uh, she's been our guest on Innovation Insiders. Uh, my name is Andy Ford. Thank you for joining us this week. Join us next week. Uh, we've got a very special guest in David Weaver. David's going to come in and talk to us about corporate innovation uh, and how to bring in partners uh, to really incorporate and bring change forward. Thank you very much for being a part of this and have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, innovate.